You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Welcome to Prophet Pearls Face to Face. This is Keith Johnson along with my friend Nehemia Gordon. We are now going to call this Prophet Pearls Whatever It Takes. We are together in the land of Israel. I just flew in late last night. You've been here for a few days. Nehemia. Welcome to the land of Israel. <laughs> Shalom, Keith. Welcome. Uh, you know, I, I picked you up last night from the airport and, yeah. uh, you know, outside of Tel Aviv and we drove into Jerusalem and I'm just so blessed to be here in the land of the prophets speaking about the prophets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just amazing. You know, I, I love it. And let's set a little context. You have found a place for us. We're calling it the safe house. <laughs> it's in the basement. Where, where, where are we? I mean, we're actually in the second sub basement of this building which is built into the side of a mountain. And it's like, you know, we were looking for a place to record. And, you know, here's a place where at least on one side is a mountain. Uh, the other side is a valley. And so our hope, at least, is that there won't be too many, like, noise distractions. Jerusalem can be sometimes a very noisy city. Yeah. And so, you know, we were trying to look for a quiet place to record. We look for a quiet place. Why? Because we were trying to record across yeah, the world. I was in one part of the world. You're in another yeah. part of the world. We were dealing with a number of issues, technology issues, etc. Um, we just released a couple uh, just the last 24 hours a little promotional video about what we were willing to do whatever yeah. it takes we even got on a Harley Davidson he made me drive him <laughs> right on the back of a Harley yeah. so I got to just never say been on a motorcycle I, I just have to say it really it really is a, an interesting process um I've been sick the last few days um and 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 then I got here and then my luggage didn't make it <laughs> with me and so I'm here without my luggage but I did something to him it was yeah. really interesting I've been traveling a few different places, but I, one thing I do is I take my Hebrew Bible out and I, I carry it with me. And it's kind of interesting. My other Bible's in my suitcase. I've got my Hebrew Bible. I'm in the land of the prophets. I'm here with you. We're about to record uh, this section. And I just have to say, I I really think your idea, and I got to give you a lot of credit for this. It was your idea that we go ahead and do the Amos 3.3 approach together. Can you tell the people a little bit? Just, I, I know we've talked about it. Tell them a little bit about that and why this is sort of significant. Yeah, and uh, we were just actually this morning at my mother's apartment here in Jerusalem, and, and I was uh, sharing this with her. Um, Amos 3.3, 3, it's a verse that says in the Hebrew, it says, um, in, in the common English translation, it's, can two walk together except they be agreed? And people take that to mean, well, I can't walk in faith with another person unless we completely agree. We have the About same everything. doctrine, create, right. same theology. Otherwise... We can't walk together. And that's not at all what it says. When I said it to my mother in Hebrew, she immediately recognized in the word bilti im no'adu, the word mo'ed, which is the appointed time mm-hmm. when people come together. Mm-hmm. And what it literally means, what it says in Hebrew is, and it says, can two walk together without having met one another? Mm-hmm. First, you need to meet each other on common ground, mm-hmm. and then you can walk together. And what we've decided to do is, is meet each other on the common ground of the word of God and walk together in faith before the creator of the universe. And, and, I, and, and what we tried to do you know, the first number of episodes, you were, we were together, sitting next yep. to each other yep. in Charlotte, yeah, together. at your house in Charlotte, and um, and you know, and it it was wonderful. And then you flew off to China, mm. and I was in the United States, and we tried doing this. You know, in, you were in a few places, weren't you? I, mean, you were I like was in a few places. I think I was mostly in the U.S. at the time. Yeah, um, and uh, I would call you up on Skype. Over in in uh, in you know over in China and and sometimes it would work sometimes it w- wouldn't work and and really for me the straw that broke the camel's back was when we had an episode <laughs> that should have taken an hour to record it should have uh, you know been one easy you know thing to do and instead we were d- disconnected seven separate times which mm-hmm. means we had eight files 
that of recording. And I believe our edited, editor did a really good job so that people didn't yeah. notice that, but yeah. they realized something was going on. Yeah. And I realized at that point, you know, I mean, literally, we, we, I would be in the middle of talking, and then I'd say, you know, isn't that amazing, Keith? And there'd be, and I thought, I, I thought like, you know, Keith was completely flabbergasted by what I said because it was <laughs> and I didn't have an idea what you were talking about. And we were completely disconnected. Yeah. You know, the, the the call had hung up, and it didn't even tell me that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and it was very frustrating. And, um, and we realized we got to come together. And, and it actually, this is such a blessing because, Keith, you had a tour over here yep. uh, with the Biblical Foundations Academy. And I came over here uh, for my ministry, McCore Hebrew Foundation, to work on the Aviv search. And so what we decided to do was to come a few weeks early yep. so that we could record these episodes face-to-face sitting next to each other. Um, we're here in this apartment. We have. Uh, can I tell the people? Can I describe? Absolutely. We're, we're, Let me know what we're, we're at. sitting here at a plastic table, and we've put two towels over the table, like bath towels, to absorb some of the shock. So when I go like this and I'm tapping, you don't hear it in the microphone. Mm. And then we uh, hung. Yes, uh, yesterday I was with the the person who owns this apartment, and she helped me hang a bed sheet across the wall. To this is like a makeshift studio, uh, <laughs> so absorb some of the sound. And look, we're really high tech. This is a professional exactly. operation. This is a professional and, operation. Uh, but we do have this really fancy microphone that Keith made fun of me. But this is like actually a microphone professionals use. No, it really is, and, and oh, actually it works. It, it works. And I, I just have to say, I'm, I, I will, I will just start out by saying. Uh, I've been sick the last week, and it wasn't 100 percent sure I was going to be able to convince the airline that I could get here. I flew with LL, and you know, there's a bunch of stuff right now. If you, depending on where you've been, they ask you questions about if you've been in certain parts of the country and if you've got a fever and all that sort of thing. And I was able to say yeah. that I didn't have a fever, but I did get here. You got me to a pharmacy, Nehemia, and I slept last night. You had China itis, or you have China itis, yeah, don't you? Yeah. I had that when I first got back from China, and you've yeah. got that now. Yeah, it's basically what happens is the pollution ends up getting into your system. Your blood system, and it actually could be a bit serious. Um, but but after that first couple days, I then transitioned to where I'm just dealing with congestion and that sort of thing. Got a chance to get some of the famous Bubby Dina's chicken soup today. That's my mom. I am excited Best to get chicken started. Soup in the world, we're going to get started in First Kings 18. I just have to say, um, we've had Prophet Pro partners who've been a very wonderful and patient, but we had to make a huge shift, which is that we had to do everything now in the next couple of weeks. And so I'm going to mention the people that are the partners. Uh, I'm going to suggest to them, everyone that's listening, that you would take advantage of, 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 of bringing your comments to NehemiahsWall.com, BFAInternational.com, and let your comments be right there. Um, for those that didn't send it in advance, we, we really do appreciate everything that you write. And again, I think the last few weeks, Nehemiah, we've been inviting people to, to, to make comments, and they have been doing that, so oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. We're actually going to be going here. The Sioux Falls group is actually responsible for this week, our Prophet Pro partners from Sioux Falls, and we're in First Kings chapter 18. One of the most wonderful passages, you and I have had some experiences with this passage. On, maybe you don't remember, we've done so many things. Uh, but we're going to talk about First Kings chapter 18, starting in verse, uh, verse, one, one. verse 1. And uh, we're going to go back and forth as far as reading. I don't have my English Bible with me, but I do have my computer. Uh, I've got my Hebrew Bible. You've got the computer and, of course, whatever's in your mind and memory. And, of course, we have prepared ahead of time. So let's get started. First Kings chapter 18, verse 1. It says, Now it happened after many days that the word of Yehovah came to Elijah. And then right away it starts in the third year. What third year? What, 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 what are we talking about here? What's the third year? Third year of who? Third year of what? What, what does the third year mean, Nehemiah? So, uh, you know, there was this, uh, this drought. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a punishment to King, King Ahab and the King and the Kingdom of Israel. And this is the third year of the drought. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. In the th- and this is you know this is Israel is not a country that has you know uh, major rivers. Mm-hmm. Our major river 
is smaller than some. Um, actually, I, I'll tell you something. I was over in China and I literally saw uh, open sewers that were bigger than the Jordan River. Mm. And and it really puts things in perspective. You know, I drive around the U.S. lately and I'll come across some river that doesn't even have a name and mm. it's bigger than the Jordan River. It's like mm. some tributary of a tributary of a tributary of a, of a you know of some mm-hmm. minor river and it's bigger than the Jordan. And so imagine if there's no rain for three years. Um, there's not enough water to survive. Mm-hmm. No and rain, so, you so got this problems. Was, this was a really big deal. Three mm-hmm. years of a drought. Mm-hmm. And so the word comes and says, and that, I think this is no, nothing small. Go show yourself to your enemy, basically. Go show yourself to the guy that's trying to <laughs> take your head off. It yeah. says, go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. Like, when I see that phrase, Nehemiah, I see two things. One, go show yourself to Ahab. That's the bad news. Mm-hmm. The good news. I'm about to send rain on the face of the earth. I mean, be Elijah there for a second. Uh, he, he literally, I'm mean, going to be Elijah like, well, why don't you just send the rain? <laughs> yeah, see, I, I, and here I have a little bit of an issue, which okay. is I wouldn't translate it as go show yourself. Okay. I would translate it as go appear. Okay. And it's the same word that actually we see, for example, in, we, had a, we had a Torah portion mm-hmm. called Vayera, mm-hmm. and he appeared, when God appeared. appeared to Abraham, mm-hmm. and um, it's the same word. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, you know, it doesn't translate and he showed himself. Is he appeared, and, and and that might sound like a really subtle difference in Hebrew. It's the difference between an active verb and a passive verb, mm-hmm. or actually a causative verb to show yourself, mm-hmm. and an, and an, uh, a passive verb to appear. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that it makes a difference in it really in, in the sense of the sentence, but it, it's slightly different. Go appear to Ahab. It's almost like Elijah is is um, you know, and we ha- we have that verse where God says to to uh, Moses, He says, "You will be a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron will be your prophet. Mm-hmm. You will be Elohim to Pharaoh." And 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 you know, so in the, in some instances, the prophet he represents God, and he can appear to people just like God can appear to people mm-hmm. speaking His word. Mm-hmm. Well, then it says, "What does it say in verse eighteen, verse two? It says, so Elijah did just that. Yeah, he went to he went to appear. He went to show himself. And in, in, yeah. in the NIV here, it says that to show himself or to appear to Ahab. And then it says, just as a reminder." That the famine was severe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this, I mean, it's three years. I mean, how much more severe? I mean, <laughs> in other words, it's repeating the obvious. Uh, there's no rain. Well, it's not necessarily obvious. Maybe, yeah. maybe they, like in Egypt, had seven years of store food, you know, food stored. But yeah. they, but in this case, they didn't. Yeah. Well, so they, so they were in trouble after in the you know after two years of drought, they were in trouble. Mm-hmm. And then comes and then comes the verse and and again I don't know what I, I don't know what word you want to deal with with here but I just think I lo- I love it anytime you get a well, chance the word to of the week I, I got that all do you seriously but that, you really? that's later on okay awesome that. awesome we awesome well that. let me let me can well, I'm I just over that. Yeah. let me read this eighteen three and Ahab called Obadiah mm-hmm. uh, who was over the household now Obadiah feared Yehovah it says greatly I mean mm-hmm. it's a response here here's the man who's over the household he's fearing Yehovah. And then uh, it goes on. I'm going to read this and then we can slow down and go back. But I just want to read the next verse. And it says, um, for when Jezebel. Now, it, now, immediately when you see something like this, you're reading. If you just read right now and you don't know be, before or anything, you're like, well, who is this? For when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of Yehovah, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and with water. So we've got Obadiah. We've got Ahab. We've got Elijah, and now we've got this person, Jezebel. So mm-hmm. when we read this, obviously those that haven't read it forward would, wouldn't know, but Jezebel is the wife of Ahab, mm-hmm. who is who's queen, clearly the yes, evil she, queen. She, she's the evil queen who's not real happy about anybody that's not uh, going to do exactly what she wants them to do. So certainly the servants of Yehovah or the prophets of Yehovah would be on her list of those you'd want to get rid of. <laughs> yeah. 
So I, I have some things to say about Ova, o, Obadiah, but I'm mm-hmm. going to save that for uh, a little bit later, verse 8. Okay. Because that's really where, where we get this new perspective. But just now to say, o, Obadiah is Hebrew Ovad Yahu, mm-hmm. which is, um, means the servant of Yudhevavhe, the servant of Yehovah, Ovad mm-hmm. Yahu. Mm-hmm. It's one of these very common uh, structures, which is we call them a, uh, a compound name. Mm-hmm. A compound name is two words that together form a name. Mm-hmm. The wor- first word means servant. You could also translate it slave. Mm-hmm. And Yahu, which is the uh, end form. Whenever Yudhevavhe, the name of the father, appears at the end of a name, it's always Yahu or mm-hmm. Yah, as mm-hmm. in my name, Nechem Yah, um, Yeho at the beginning. Um, and uh, he is an interesting name, Ovad Yahu. He is a servant of Yehovah. So it's mm-hmm. ironic. Here we have, um, uh, or even telling, I would say, we have Jezebel, who also has a compound name, mm-hmm. Ezebel, which probably, it's not entirely clear, but it probably means uh, man of Zevel. And that might be a Canaanite word that means the, the, the mystical sanctuary where the God lives up in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, that's called Zavul in, in Canaanite literature. So maybe her father named her after um, the, you know, the... Uh, man of Zevel, or possibly it could even be the the, the coast of Zevel, uh, the coast of um, of uh, you know this holy sanctuary, because she comes from Sidon, which is on the coast of, of Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Hebrew, it's immediately obvious that we're dealing here with a pun that means something else to the Hebrews, because Zevel means garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, it means one thing in the Canaanite language, a slightly different thing in the Hebrew language, even though they're related languages. Um, <laughs> so, so here you have Jezebel who wants to wipe out the prophets of God, and you have the man whose name is the servant of Yehovah. If I were Jezebel, I would have been suspicious of Obadiah from, exactly. from the very outset. <laughs> exactly. Like the guy's name gives him away that he's, you know, she yeah. worships her, her Baal, and here's a guy whose name means servant of Yehovah. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask this question. Um, when, when you see the phrase, uh, destroyed the prophets of Yehovah, mm-hmm. don't you want to ask yourself, where else is that talked about? Like, in other words, this phrase that's there, it's just there. And it's almost like, it's just a fact. You know, she's the one who did this. And I'm thinking, but where's that at? Where yeah. else is that discussed? And it actually doesn't say in Hebrew destroyed. It says mm-hmm. cut off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. I, what, what's the answer? What you got? I, I don't have an answer for it. I don't. I don't know where else. I don't know where else she actually talks about it. I mean, in other words, in the, oh, you mean else, where that incident took place? Yeah, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is you know this is this is an interesting literary device you might call it, mm-hmm. where it's you know referring to something that happened in the past, but it's the first time we're hearing about exactly. it. Exactly. And it, re- it reminds me of when um, when Sipora, uh, the wife of Moshe of Moses, she takes the you know the. the, the the, the situation and she throws it down in front of him mm-hmm. and she says um you know uh uh you know a bridegroom because of blood and therefore they said bride what <laughs> wait what, what where did that is, exactly what's this talking about exactly we're missing a part of the story so we actually don't know what those circumstances were but it is really interesting here and and and, and we'll get to this more i'm gonna save it for later okay awesome it's really interesting well i just thought i just thought that that was something and this happens a lot in scripture where you'll you'll hear something yeah. as a matter of fact you know the one who did such and such and you're like but where is that at right. and and this is well, where did where how, how where did it come from that's the question no, but I think the answer is it really happened. Yeah. And it was something that was well known in the time that they were writing about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it didn't need to say, hey, by the way, you know. Exactly. Um, and it's interesting, like you'll read this, um, you know, uh, and this is actually something with an as an author I struggle with, you know, how much do you want to explain to the author? And, and mm-hmm. I have an editor, you know her, mm-hmm. uh, Schiffer, brilliant, brilliant woman. And she says, you know, don't talk down to the audience mm-hmm. um, when you're writing. You know, you don't have to explain the obvious because people will be insulted by that. But then the challenge is to know what's obvious to me may not be obvious to them exactly so you know if i'm writing and i say you know 9 11 
when 19 uh, terrorists took down the World Trade Center, like, okay, really? We got, we know what that is. You know, like, what, mm-hmm. are, you, what are you talking mm-hmm. about? But then, you know, I've spoken to young people who actually don't know what it is. You know what's interesting? Can you imagine you'd bring that? that you, you'd bring that up. And it's funny because I'm, I'm presently in, in uh, Shanghai right now. And that's so many wonderful things that are happening. I know there's people that have questions about what's going on. But so many wonderful things and doors that are opening. But it's really interesting about the people that are there when you think about information that you think that the world knows. Mm-hmm. So you can say... You know, well, like what happened at Tiananmen Square, and 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 we'll oh, they have no idea what and, that is. Well, you know this because you've asked, right? Them. Yeah, I mean, in China, so, they don't know. It, it, yeah, many people don't. They they don't have an idea. They've controlled that information, um, and depending on the generation, you know, right, again, that's true as well. Yeah. Generations, uh, what they know. You talk about the Great Leap Forward, and you talk about the famines, all these different things, different people knowing it. But this statement, clearly, when it says. Yeah. This is something that she did. People wouldn't say, now, what What was that? I mean, people knew that yeah. that's what she did. Yeah. So. It's, it's actually, and here I, I was going to save this till later, but we got to talk about it. It's just okay. important. And, and it has to do with, you know, we see this whole series of kings of Israel who are sinners and they're worshiping, you know, false gods and idols. But they don't wipe out the prophets of Yehovah. They actually manipulate the prophets of Yehovah. <laughs> exactly. They set up false prophets who speak in Yehovah's name. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I compare this passage to another one we have a few chapters later, which I don't think is in the Prophet Pearls, but it's one of my favorite passages. I think it's, was it 1 Kings 21 or 22, mm-hmm. where we have Michai, who he mm-hmm. comes and he's the prophet and he's speaking the word. And there's 400, 400 other prophets who are, who are also prophets of Jehovah in his name, but they're false prophets. This is a different situation here. She's attacking anybody who speaks in Jehovah's name, mm-hmm. and that's because she's a foreigner. She's a Sidonian. So what the Israelites did, and we'll get to this more, is they practiced something called syncretism. Mm-hmm. They would worship Yehovah as if he was the same thing as Baal. Mm-hmm. This is a different ballgame, the Sidonian situation. She's coming in, and she's as zealous for Baal as we are, or as we should be, Amen. for Yehovah. And she wants to wor- wipe out the worship of Yehovah, not just um, hijack it and, and uh, co-opt it, but to completely wipe it out and replace it with something not similar but different, but something completely different. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. That's a very subtle distinction between syncretism, where you have two things together and, and you make mm-hmm. them look like the same, mm-hmm. and this situation, which is she wants to replace the faith of Israel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, here's what happens. And I think this phrase is interesting. In the 18.5, it says, Then Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we will find grass and keep the people alive. No. I'm trying to trying to help him. It says, maybe we'll keep the people alive. No, it says. They don't care about the they'll people. They'll keep the horses <laughs> and the mules alive and not have to kill some of the cattle. Now, am I? did that hit you so, that way too? Here's what hit me. And I don't know if you see this in, in the English, but in the Hebrew, the word for kill the cattle mm. is the same word that appeared about the prophets of Yehovah, where it said off, it says she, um, he chrit. It's the he feel of karat mm-hmm. um, to cause to be cut off. So literally, it came, you know, in verse four, and it came to pass when Jezebel caused the prophets of Jehovah to be cut off. And here in verse five, he's saying so that we don't cause the animals to be cut off mm-hmm. or we don't cause to be cut off from the animals. So um, he was concerned about the animals, but he wasn't concerned about the prophets of Jehovah. Isn't that the very same word that he's afraid will happen to the animals is what his wife did to the prophets of Jehovah. Mm, mm, that, mm. that that's not a that's not an accident. Yeah, that's that's when you read it in Hebrew, it jumps off the page, and you're like, oh man, there's irony here. <laughs> yeah. So then it says, okay, so they so they divided the land between them to survey it, mm-hmm. to check it out. Yeah, he, Ahab went one way, and Obadiah went the other. Now, now is this Ahab the king? Yeah. Don't Ahab like have someone else he could have do this? I know it's surprising. <laughs> Here's Ahab wandering around the countryside with looking some, for grass with, for some, with some with some mules and and horses. Like what? Yeah, exactly. It, it really yeah. It's mm. 
it's interesting. So here that, it comes. That's how lowly they had fallen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it says so in verse in verse seven. Now as Abadiah was on the way, behold, here he comes. Elijah met him, and it says and he recognized him and fell on his face and said, "Is this you, Elijah, my master?" And verse eighteen eight says, and he said unto him, "It is I." Go say to your master, behold, Elijah's here. Now, two things there. First, in 1870, he says, he says, is that you? Now, let's let's look in the Hebrew here. Mm-hmm. What does it say in the Hebrew? Elijah, my master. Yeah, so the word for master is Adoni. Okay, and then what does he use? What does Elijah use when he says, now go to your master? What does it say? It, uh, it says, la donecha, to your master. Mm-hmm. So, basically, the words are the same. In other words, he's, he's saying, you know, Actually, the word for for Ahab is a stronger word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what we call the majestic plural, mm-hmm. which is can use be described God or a king. Mm-hmm. Um, so it actually, literally, if you want to translate, he says, "Go to your masters and mm-hmm. say, behold uh, Elijah." Um, it's not, but there's only one master who's Ahab. Um, but it's the majestic plural. By expressing it with the plural ending, it gives it more majesty, more greatness. Mm-hmm. So actually, uh, in a way, he's you know. He's magnif- He's saying, you know, you're calling me, my, you know, Adoni. Go to your Adonim. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, um, and he said to him, it is I go say this to your master, behold, Elijah is here. And he says, what sin have I committed that you're going to you're, you're giving your servant into the hand of Ahab to put me to death? As Yehovah, your God lives. We got to stop there. <laughs> Every time I see yeah. this phrase, uh, this sort of this this. This phrase, as Yehovah uh, lives, yeah. you know, I I can't help but just stop and again be reminded of how important that phrase is. It's huge. It's huge. It's prophetic. It, it's prophetic. It's a, it's like it's like um, yeah, man. So let, let, yeah, let, me, let me share a few. Actually, can we read the verse and then go back? And okay, talk absolutely. About it? Go ahead. Can you read it there? No, you you go ahead. Okay, uh, it says it says um, as Yehovah your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master is not sent. To search for you. And when they said he is not here, he made that kingdom or nation swear that they could not find you. Right. And then he goes on and he says, And now you say, Go and tell your master, Behold Elijah, and it shall come to pass that I will go from you, and the spirit of Jehovah will, will lift you up, mm-hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera. He's like saying, I, you know, I'm going to go tell. Well, actually, we got to finish that verse. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's important. Um, uh, shall li- lift you up uh, to where I do not know, and I will come to say to Ahab, um, and he will not find you, and he will kill me, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm going to go tell him that I found you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your servant has feared Jehovah from my youth. Um, very interesting. Ha- mm-hmm. Has it not been told to you, to my master, uh, etc.? Okay, let's um, let's go back here. So this is interesting. And, and the word that jumps off the page. Well, there's two things that jump off the page in verse 10. One is this phrase Chai Jehovah, mm-hmm. as Jehovah lives, mm-hmm. which, as I was, I started to say, it appears 44 times in the Tanakh that mm-hmm. phrase. Mm-hmm. And in Jeremiah 12:16, there's a prophetic uh, instance of it. It's talking about um, God is speaking to the the, um, the the foreign nations that surround Israel, mm-hmm. and it says it shall come to pass if they surely learn the ways of my people to swear in my name mm-hmm. as Jehovah lives, Chai Jehovah. Now, when you said Jeremiah, are you talking about Jeremiah 16? What Jeremiah 12:16. Oh, 12:16. Yeah. Uh, in my name, as Jehovah lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, and they will be built in the midst of my people. Mm-hmm. So this is a promise to the nations surrounding Israel. If they will learn to swear 
in the name of the of the creator of the universe, Chai Yehovah. Chai Yehovah. Chai Yehovah, as Yehovah lives, as they taught my people to swear Chai, and then the name Baal, as Baal lives, and they'll be built in the midst of Israel. So um, it's really interesting here. I mean, this is a promise to the nations. It's got nothing to do with me. It's a promise for the nations of the world who aren't uh, descendants of Israel to actually be built in the midst of Israel. Isn't that amazing? It's mm-hmm. amazing. And it has to do with this phrase, Chai Yehovah. Mm-hmm. And it appears 44 times. It's a common expression. Um, and there's other verses where God says, you know, as I live, we could talk about that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But what's interesting to me is what he says here in verse 10. He says, Chai Yehovah Elohecha, as Yehovah, your God lives. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. What, what do you got to say about that, <laughs> Keith? That, I think that's, that's, that could be nothing, but I don't think it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he say, Chai Yehovah Elohei Yisrael, as Yehovah lives, the God of Israel, or Chai Yehovah Elohai, as Yehovah, my God lives, or Chai Yehovah Eloheinu, our God. Why did he say, as Yehovah, your God lives? Now, I would just say this. One of the things that I think is interesting when I'm, when I'm reading this is that there's this, this thing back and forth between Elijah and Obadiah. Yeah. So he says to him, um, Elijah, my master. And then he says to him, behold, your, your Adoni, like you said, the, the plural. Then it comes back to him and he says, okay, what son have I committed that you're giving? As Yehovah, your God lives, he's He's proclaiming, and it's like he's saying, he knows he knows the commitment that Elijah has to Yehovah. Maybe Yehovah, maybe Elijah doesn't know the. But what do you mean? He's no, and I mean no. He says later on, you know, it was told to you what I did. I saved the prophets of Yehovah. Yeah. So he's assuming Elijah does know, and if he doesn't know, he's telling him. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, one of those yeah. situations. But for example, I want to I want to bring you a couple of examples here of what I'm talking about. Uh, like this kind of like emphasizes this is really strange he says you know your God mm-hmm. so we have three places in the Tanakh out of the 44 where it says as Yehovah Elohei Israel, the God of Israel mm-hmm. 1 Samuel 25 34 1 Kings 17 1 and 1 Kings 17 12 three times three witnesses where people speak you know use this phrase as Yehovah lives mm-hmm. and they say as Yehovah the God of Israel lives they give him that title and all of a sudden he says as Yehovah your God lives mm-hmm. so I have a hypothesis it's a theory uh oh I can't prove it, but I have a suspicion. Um, we, here's what we know. Jezebel was a Sidonian princess. Um, she was a foreigner. She was zealous for the worship of Baal. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, came with a whole entourage of people from Sidon when she married the king of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and she was actually the daughter of, of, a, of a ruler of Sidon, a man named Et Baal, which means uh, with Baal, with the Baal. Alatav of Baal, yes. with Baal. Um, and uh, and she brings these people with her, and maybe one of those. This is my suggestion. Could have been a man named Ovad Baal, and um, and he comes to Israel as a young man, and he starts to worship Yehovah, and his name is changed to Ovad Yahu Obadiah. Are you you you're really going to come up with that theory, Nehemiah? You're not going to tell I'm me where that. You're, you're not going to give me a verse. You're not going to say that. Well, that, so he, here's it, what I, here's where it comes to me. Verse twelve. Now we're talking. He says, "And your servant fe- has feared Yehovah from my youth." Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Now that could mean, look, I've done it all my life since I was a you know a baby. But from my youth, also might mean, look, ever since I came from Sidon with the princess, I, I've been zealous for your God, yeah. and that fits with him saying, as Yehovah, your God. Look, I, I've jo- I've been built into the midst of your people. He knows Jeremiah twelve sixteen, or he knows the concept of Jeremiah twelve sixteen. That if he learns to swear as Yehovah lives, as the way they have learned to swear as Yehovah as Baal lives. 
meaning the way Israel learned from the from the Gentiles, then he has the opportunity to build in the midst you know, of the you've people. You've come so far. I've known you for how many long? How long have I known you? How long have I known? Well, you? I don't know. Thirteen years. Thirteen. Years, Thirteen. Like Fourteen years or something like that. And the one thing you used to always say is, yeah. "Okay, you know, I used to get frustrated about this. I used to get upset about this. I used to want to strangle you, put my arms around your neck." And He's never done it though. No, I never done it. <laughs> and, I, and I'd say, you know, I'm thinking one of the things, and you'd say, "Yeah, but where does it say it in Scripture? Where does it say it in Scripture?" Well, so I'm not and, saying this is the doctrine we must accept. Okay. And those who don't adhere to this doctrine <laughs> exactly. shall be cast into the lake of fire, <laughs> and we will not walk together because we are not agree. It's not what I'm saying at all. What yeah. I'm saying here, you're is, trying to put the pieces together. I'm trying to put the pieces together, and especially we have this very unusual thing: as Yehovah, your God lives. Mm. It's unique in the Tanakh. Now we do have mm. other places where people say your God, and and especially you'll find that as a phrase that appears commonly in Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. where Moses is speaking to Israel and he says, "Your God." Well, it's, mm. we could have said our God. All right, but here it's really. I just strange. wish we could it's find God, an example where his name was changed from. Uh, no, we Ob- don't know that. I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah. Look, maybe he was called Obadiah in you know, and in, in, he was born in a little village in, in Galilee. I don't know, but but it's possible since he's part of this whole world of Ahab and Jezebel. We do know Jezebel came from Sidon, and she brought an entourage with her, and they were trying to stamp out the prophets of Jehovah. And this actually fits another piece of evidence. How does it come about that Obadiah has the opportunity to save all these prophets of Jehovah 50 in a cave? Maybe he was the one sent to kill them. And you know that makes a lot of sense, especially when he's called Asher al-Abayt, that who's over the house. So now we have to explain to people what that means. Yeah. Historically, he was over the house. He's not the butler. He's what we would call today the prime minister. Mm-hmm. So you had a king of Israel. And a, and a queen. And the king, look, the king isn't involved in every decision. He's not interested in the in the small, petty affairs of state. You know, he's going to make the policy and guide things. But he is somebody who makes the day-to-day decisions. And that's the prime minister. And in biblical Hebrew, that's he who is over the house. This is the number two guy in the kingdom. Um, and it's very possible that who is Jezebel going to trust as the number two guy in the kingdom? One of her cronies from back inside. And I'm suggesting this is a possibility. Yeah. It's not a doctrine. Well, you're opening, you can completely reject I'm it if you want. I'm going to reject it, but I want it's to tell entirely you, I fine. Thank you that you opened up the but door. But the fact that he says, as Yehovah, your God lives. So we say in Hebrew, Ze'omer Darsheni. It says, investigate me. <laughs> it's it calling really, for it. And it's, it's begging me to investigate it. And, you know. Well, I want to say something that's interesting. You said you brought about yeah. that being the prime minister because you've got us in a place, Nehemiah, that's really not far. I can look out the window and the Knesset is not far from here. This morning, early this morning. In fact, I literally up, you look out the window, yep. we see the Israel Museum and the next hill over yep. is the Knesset. So I walked over and I looked at the Knesset and then I walked over to Netanyahu's house. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. I walked over to Netanyahu's house. He wasn't there. That's right. He wasn't there because he's on his way to the United States. Now, I've got to say something about this. You brought about the issue of the prime minister. And, 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 and I just think it's really interesting, the politics of Israel. And, you yeah. know, you've got the king. And now you've, you just brought a really interesting concept that Obadiah is not like he's the servant, meaning he's the guy that uh, is like way yeah. down the, the right. list. You well, got, in general, when yeah. it talks about the cupbearer, it's not just the guy who holds the, uh, you know, yeah. the cup. For he's the got king. some authority. He's, he's actually got, a minister of state. You know, yeah. and, 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 here's, and I think we can maybe look to um, you know, some modern countries um like let, let, let's well i mean let's take the easiest example which is a little out of date but the, the united kingdom or england mm. so they've got a queen of england she doesn't have any power anymore but there was a time when the king of england had mm. power but he still didn't run the day-to-day affairs of the state mm-hmm. he had a prime minister and under the prime minister there were you know there was the mm-hmm. minister of mm-hmm. the minister of you know education and the minister whatever there was i don't know back then um and so the point here is in, in ancient times you had a king 
And under the king was he who was over the, the house, the head of all the ministers. And underneath him was the cupbearer. And underneath, you know, uh, and the, you know, and the, um, and the, you know, the head baker. But he wasn't actually just a baker. He was maybe over the finances of the palace, mm. and uh, maybe even over the entire kingdom. Um, so we, we have these terms that they've lost their meaning in modern English. Mm-hmm. And so this guy who's over the house, he's not sweeping the floors, even though he's running around with the donkeys. Well, and the- no, no, it's <laughs> interesting, though, because the reason I said that I think that there's yeah. something to what you're saying is that. So I said, what's the king doing out walking around? Right. And, you know, it's like not like the king right. and the lowest guy in the totem. No, pool. these the two, two guys, top guys, that's how two desperate top, they are. That's what I think is really yeah. a signal. And like, I mentioned the thing about Netanyahu. Of yeah, course, what's we, going on with Netanyahu? No, so he's on his way to the United States. He's uh, he's defied Washington. He's going to oh. be speaking oh, no. to Congress there. I went over to see if I could get a hold of him before he went. He left. He's on his way. I was met with a guard with a with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Knesset is here, but also Nehemiah, and we're going to talk about this just a little bit about the significance of of of, of the what Obadiah actually did in terms of saving saving the prophets. You know, it's, this happens to be a week during there's going to be Purim. It's going to be celebrated, and yeah. and for people that don't know, I mean, I really think it's a really interesting thing for people to look into. We can talk about it a little bit more, but I just think it's so interesting. We're here right now. Yeah, we're actually here at a time. As I was talking to your mother, Bubby Dean is my uh, consultant, folks, when it comes to the politics of Israel and the United States. She she said she talked about the significance of what's happening in terms of what could happen with Israel, and I. I just I don't know. I mean, when I hear about when I hear you know we're going to talk about this with uh, with with Jezebel and and what happens with Elijah, but I mean I I don't know why I could read this story and for some reason it it just feels more um, like I understand the significance of it. I mean mm-hmm. politics of what's going on in the United States and what's going on here and Iran and all of this stuff and Purim. I, mean, I think this, this really is, ties in. It really, I want to go back to Obadiah, who according to my hypothesis was born a Gentile in Sidon. Uh, as a servant of Baal, and he was brought over, and from his youth he feared Jehovah. And and I think, in my view, in my opinion, he is a picture in this story of the Gentile who has joined himself to Jehovah. Amen. And he stands in cra- contrast to the Israelites who are part of the people of Jehovah, and they're sitting on the fence worshiping both gods. And um, to me, that that is this this there's this contrast. We you know, and and Obadiah, I think is a real. I think it's interesting that he is a con- he's contrasted. There's two top figures are looking for the water, and who does who does this messenger of Yehovah who it comes to Yehovah as an El- you know fr- from Yehovah as an Elohim, uh, you know uh, to. to- to appear, it's a word that applies to a God appearing. Mm-hmm. He's there to appear. He does not appear to the Jew, mm-hmm. to Ahab. He appears to the Gentile who has joined the people of Israel and mm-hmm. embraced the God of Israel, mm-hmm. to Ovadiahu, to Obadiah. And I think that's really significant. I think it's it's at the one time saying, look, here's a hope for the Gentiles. And at the same time, a criticism for Israel. You know, get off the fence mm-hmm. and, and you know embrace the God of Israel. Aren't mm-hmm. you ashamed that... That God sends His prophet, and He's got to go appear to the Gentiles because you're not ready to accept Him. Wow, wow! I will, I will tell you something. We talk about um, exploring biblical prophecy yesterday, today, and tomorrow, yeah. and I, I, I will, it will be hard for me for these couple of weeks that we're here in Nehemiah as we're going through these sections to always ask the question. So this is what happened then, but how does it relate to now? And I think right now we are in a really, really, and I don't use the word interesting. I say crucial time in in the world as far as Israel and what's happening around the world. I mean it just it's it's sobering to me to come here and to be at this this land right now to read these kinds of stories and to say we're not so far off and we're going to read many more like it yeah. where there's so much that's going on right right in our midst. Yeah. So. so so yeah, I mean let, let's go on but the, the one thing I, I just want to emphasize this that we're dealing well let, let's go on. We got to get through the story. Yeah, we do say we don't have enough time at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We got to okay. do this. What verse are we in now? Verse 14. Okay, verse 14. 
Uh, okay, verse 14. And now you are saying, go say to your master, behold, Elijah is here. He then will kill me. Elijah said, as Yehovah of hosts lives. And then again, we get this, we get this, this phrase, this, uh, this, 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 this swearing, you know, this calling, you know, as, as a witness and putting it all on the line. Hi, Yehovah, in verse 15. Um, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. And so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went what is, to meet what, what does Elijah mean who I stood before him? That's really interesting. Okay, go ahead. So, so one possibility is something we've talked about before. Uh, Jeremiah speaks about this. He's challenging the false prophets, and the false prophets are speaking in the name of Jehovah based on a vision they had or something, or, mm. or some kind of spirit that's come and ta- spoken to them. And Jeremiah says the true prophets have stood in the council of Jehovah in, in, the, in, in the heavenly court. Yes. And, and I believe Elijah here is saying, look, I, I have stood before Jehovah. You know, I was standing and there he was sitting on his throne and he was surrounded mm-hmm. by the angels and speaking. I mean, this is a vision, we, uh, an image we've seen before, a picture. And I think this is alluding to that. I've stood before him. It's a very, very mm-hmm. s- specific phrase. Mm-hmm. Let me ask a question. Yeah. In yours, in yours uh, do you see this as, a, uh, as this in the past or is it the present? Because it's, it's interesting in, uh, in the NAS, what they say is, as Yehovah, of course, lives before whom I stand. Oh, no, it's in the past tense. When I'm looking at Hebrew, it says it's, 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 it's the perfect in the past. or past yeah. tense. Yeah. It's something who I stood. Yeah. Yeah. So Odai went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And then comes this phrase. Yeah. Sometimes I want to call you this phrase. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. <laughs> he says. Yeah. He says, and let's slow down and, and just and break yeah. break this open. He says, when Ahab saw Elijah, he says unto him, "Is this you, you troubler of Israel? Do you, do you like that phrase? I mean, what, what, what do you see that phrase? I think it's ironic that Ahab is calling that to Elijah because where do we get that phrase? We get it from Joshua chapter 7, 24 to 25, and again in 1 Chronicles 2, 7, mm-hmm. where it's speaking about this man named Achan, uh, which is a, uh, then they make a pun on his name, Achan, because it sounds like Achar, mm-hmm. which is troubler. Um, and then when Achan is, you know, he's the guy who stole the, the gold from Jericho, and they lost the battle because of it, and it's mm-hmm. discovered. And he's called Ochel Israel, the, the troubler of Israel. And that exact phrase appears in 1 Chronicles 2, 7. Absolutely. Ochel Israel, the troubler of Israel. Yep. And... Um, Referring to this person, you know, who's the bad guy, and here the king, who is a bad guy, is calling Elijah, who's the good guy, Ochel Israel, and that's you know those who call white black and black white, those who call bitter sweet and sweet bitter, you know, you know, I mean, those who say left is right and right is left, you know, the the people who are evil and do bad. They don't say, hey, I'm a bad guy. Some of them do. But then there's a certain type of bad person who says, no, I'm righteous. What I'm doing is good. And you're the bad person. Mm -hmm. Um, And and in in Ahab's eyes, he's great. He's Mm -hmm. the best thing since, you know, sliced bread. Mm hmm. It's, and it's funny. What does 1818 say? Is it basically Elijah comes back and he says, I have not troubled Israel, but yeah. you and your father's house. Look, and, I, and I'll be honest with you. So I recently, you know, in my ministry, McCor Hebrew Foundation, I recently put out this uh, this teaching um, about the name of Yehovah and looking at um, some of the connections possibly between um, the pronunciation of that name and the name of the Roman god Jupiter. And I won't go into that. It's a whole discussion. But I've had people who have basically written back to me, oh, troubler of Israel. Exactly. You're causing trouble in our congregation because you're teaching this to people. And I've literally had people who say, we can see that we agree with what you're saying, but this is just too much trouble. This is going to cause division. We cannot teach this. And um, I, I feel like I'm Elijah being called Ochel Yisrael, the troubler of Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, 
And you know, and and look, I mean, I, well, I think it's, that's it's good burning trouble. up deep inside me. I've got to speak the truth. Yeah, that's that's where I think that that's where the good troubler of Israel phrase comes from. When in yeah. fact, if you're being called a troubler because of bringing forth truth, giving people access to the information, and you know, I want to stop for a second because yeah. you know we are here, Nehemiah, and 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 I know for. For people, there's so many people that appreciate um, the work that's been done through, um, you know, the ministry that you've, you, you've been a part, yeah. a part of and what, and what I'm doing. But, you know, it, it really is not something that's easy. It's oh, not no, something it's that not. just, you know, and again, I don't, you know, I don't want to overly uh, drama, dramatize it. But uh, to actually even physically to be here right now is not an oh, easy boy. process. Well, so, your t- flight here was free, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah, I went to LL and said, "Listen, I'm about to teach the word. Look, I've got God. some important ministry. Give me a free, free ticket. How'd that work out for hey, you?" I want to. T- I want to tell you something. It's really funny. Yeah. One of the things that I, I people always have this sort of shocking view of me mm-hmm. when I'm waiting in line. You got to go through security, and 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 this was this actually happened. This happened twice. I want to just yeah. bring people up to date. So I'm 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 waiting to get to 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 on the plane from Hong Kong. To hear, and I have to go through a second. Is. Yeah, and my suitcase is presently <laughs> in, in Hong, Hong Kong, Kong. <laughs> worth all my underwear. By the way, do you still have? <laughs> no, I gave the underwear back. <laughs> I do not have your underwear. Uh, one of the things that I do, so though I, you know, to try to calm things down, yeah. I'll speak in Hebrew. I'll say a phrase in Hebrew or something like that. And every time they'll say to me, "Well, what? what, what why are you learning Hebrew? Here is this brown-skinned, bald-headed guy who's speaking Hebrew, and they're looking at me like, are you trying to learn it for some uh, other reason?'" And I would bring my Bible out. I bring my Hebrew Bible, and I say, "An I want to understand this book, the most important oh, book. Wow. And and you know, this has been Do my they understand this, that? no. They absolutely listen. I got to just tell you this. Yeah. I got to stop. And, and and I get into conversations with them, and they're like, "So you're from the United States, but you want to learn Hebrew to understand." This book that we know to be, uh, you know, the Word of mm-hmm. God, and that happened both in Hong Kong and when I got here because mm-hmm. they asked me a question. They said, uh, "Who are you here to see?" Yeah. And I made a mistake. I said, "Nehemiah Gordon." You mean that troubler of Israel? I've known him for Gordon No, but I went to explain to them. They said, "Well, how have you known him? How long have you known him? When did you meet him?" And it's all around this, Nehemiah. It's all around this, and I just have to tell you, it was a witness. When I say this, I say it carefully: a witnessing tool and a chance to just talk about the significance of the word of God. And so BFA International, yeah. inspiring people to build a biblical foundation for their faith. I'm not only I'm not only wanting to do that for me, obviously, personally, and what we do corporately, but I just think that there's just a great opportunity with the word of God to continue to bring it forward. And I've appreciated the fact that you, and that's why I was yeah. so hard on you, you've always said, we got to find it in here. You yeah. know, we've got to find it in here. And there's some things that we can't find. There's some things that we are not able to right. come up with an answer. And we do try to come up with different theories. But what I appreciate yeah. you saying is, this is my opinion. Yeah. You know, look, I disagree with you on the whole Badiah thing. I mean, I'm thinking this is guy who's, who's been there and, you know, he's, who knows, he's, he's, he's been brought in to assist. Uh, and I, I still don't know how he could, how he could be in the kingdom and she's trying to get rid of the prophets and he's there saving. I mean, so him, maybe yeah. you're right. There's got to be something there. That- right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on. Yeah. Anyway. Troubler of Israel. Yeah, you troubler of Israel. Can, can I just say one last thing about that? Yeah. You know, as I was reading this about the phrase troubler of Israel, I was reminded of a, a phrase that appears in the Talmud, which is the, the, the sinner of Israel. There's this mm. really mysterious figure in the Talmud called the sinner of Israel. Yeah. And um, my father had a theory about who, uh, who was a rabbi, blessed memory, about the sinner of Israel, that he was, um, that he was a certain historical figure that lived 2,000 years ago. Mm. Isn't that interesting that, at least according to some rabbis, that sinner of Israel mm. was, you know, that particular person. 
And um, here we have the troubler of Israel. And do they even realize what they were saying? Mm. Yeah. Let's go on. Let's move Let's on. Let's move on. Yeah. Okay. So it says here. Um, uh, anyways, uh, now then this is the challenge. This is the love. I love this is this is getting ready to be where we get to the nitty gritty. Yeah. For he says, now then send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel. Yeah. Together with 450. He knows the number. Yeah. Prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. That's yeah. 850 False prophets. I mean, what kind of a? I mean, you know, and they're not just false prophets. They're yeah. prophets of a foreign, for, of foreign deity. Absolutely, not just one deity. absolutely. And, and um, so, I just want to give people a quick rundown on Asherah. Yes, um, we hear about her a lot in the Bible, not that much. And there's a lot of people who will confuse Asherah with, with Ishtar or Ashtoreth, mm-hmm. which were two different Canaanite de- uh, goddesses. Um, Ashtoreth. Or Ishtar, Easter, was one of the the wives of Baal. Mm-hmm. Asherah, from the best evidence we have from Canaanite sources, was the mother of Baal. Mm-hmm. Um, Asherah was actually one of the wives of the Most High God, creator of heaven and earth. This is what the Canaanites believed. And his son, one of his sons, was Baal. Um, and uh, so here we have this image of the mother and the son, mm-hmm. um, which is an image that you have like Isis and Horus in Egypt. This is kind of a universal theme in many mm-hmm. cultures. Um, but we've got Asherah. And, and the classical um, uh, structure that we see in the Tanakh that it's speaking against is they ho- would have the altar to Baal, mm-hmm. and there would be a tree or a pole next to the altar, which was the tree of Asherah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would be juxtaposed one next to another. And there's even a verse that says, do not plant an Asherah next to the altar of Jehovah. Mm-hmm. And we've got and to that, be, yeah. That's exactly what Israel did. Uh, you know, when it says under every leafy tree... That wasn't. It wasn't just there for shade. That leafy tree was the tree of Asherah, mm-hmm. the sacred tree. Isn't it? I, I, now, I, and then we won't go into great detail about this. But one of the things that caught my attention is just that you know Jezebel being a Sidonian, yeah, and what the Sidonians were what were what, what, what were they well known for? How what was their number one thing that they were well known about? What what, what could they commerce? Do? Commerce. But thing. what else did they do? That the Sidonians they did? made purple dye. No, what else? Nehemiah. <laughs> I don't know. Those are the two no, things. That come they dealt with the tree. They were great craftsmen of the tree. They, they would cut the tree. This is what Solomon came okay. with to get the Sidonians. Right, well, because Lebanon's known for its exactly, gi- or exactly. was known for its giant trees. Yeah, and what did they do um, with those trees? They'd use them for rafters in the in the buildings and the temples. Absolutely. Um, okay, yeah, but the main things they were known actually was for is making purple dye, mm. and that's why the Greeks called the Sidonians Phoenicians. Mm-hmm. Phoenicia means the land of purple, mm-hmm. but they didn't call themselves Phoenicians. They called themselves actually. Canaanites. Yeah. They were the Canaanites. They were Canaanites. So it says here, he tells the people, let's have this, let's have this deal. Let's go get your 850 people. Ahab sent a message amongst all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. The sons of Israel and the prophets. (laughs) (laughs) And the prophets need to choose, or the people of Israel need to choose. Yeah. Yeah. So we know the story. We're going to get into this. Um, uh, Elijah came near all the people and said, how long will you hesitate? And again, we got to go to the Hebrew here because in the English, Wait, I don't it, even know what you're in the I'm at verse 20. No, 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 verse 20. So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel, brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you hesitate, hesitate. between two opinions? If Jehovah is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Come on now. Well, so let's, let's go to that What verse. translation was that? That was the NASB. Okay, let's look at the. Uh, let's just look at a few translations on my okay. computer here. So, uh, and the word hesitate is what I'm. What I. I mean, that's the word of the week. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't say hesitate. And I was actually. I, I was thinking like, what's he reading? Yeah, exactly. That, oh, that that's their translation of eight, one Kings yeah. eighteen twenty one. Yes. So the NIV has 
how long will you waver between two opinions? Mm-hmm. Um, JPS, Jewish Publication Society, say, how long will you keep hopping between I'm two so opinions? I'm so glad you're going to use that's this as the word of the week. You're going to do it, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, this has got to be right. the word of the week. And it's appropriate because we're, yes. we're um, you know, based on the Aviv search, we were probably a few weeks away from Passover, about a mm-hmm. month from Passover, which in Hebrew is called Pesach. Mm-hmm. Pesach comes from the word in Exodus chapter 12, where it says, uh, for the plague of the firstborn, that Yehovah would pass over the there, there'd be he would pass over the houses of the Israelites mm-hmm. and not smite the firstborn there, mm-hmm. and that's the word Pesach. Mm-hmm. He would pass over and help. So we have the festival of Passover, and the word here uh, literally is how long will you pass over the the the, uh, the two branches? If Yehovah is God, go after him, and if Baal is God, go after him. Um, so they're pa- and and actually it could also be t- translated as it is in the JPS to hop back and forth because mm-hmm. when you think about it, when you hop. You have you're passing from one position to another. You're popping mm-hmm. popping around back and forth, mm-hmm. and Yehovah popped over hopped over the the houses of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. And how do we know that? What's the connection? So the Hebrew word for lame, meaning somebody who has a bad leg, can walk, but he's got a bum leg. That's called piseach, piseach. Which, which is a hopper. Mm-hmm. Somebody who hops around doesn't literally maybe hop around, but he hobbles. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's the connection there. And then later we'll have this word. I guess we'll bring it now. So later when the, they're, they're performing their ritual, um, this is in verse 26. Uh, can I jump, jump in? Yeah, verse go ahead. Six. It's important. It says, and, and they took the, this is the, prof, the, the false prophets of Baal and Asherah. It says, and they, or the prophets of Baal. It says, and they took the, 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 cow, the, the bull, which uh, he had given them, and they made it, or they did it, and they called in the name of Baal from the morning until the afternoon, saying, Answer us, Baal. Um, and there was no voice and none, no answer. And it says, Vayafaschu. And they pass over the altar which he made. Um, and that's interesting in itself. Mm-hmm. So they hopped back and forth. And one explanation of verse 26 is that they were actually performing a dance. Yes. That they were dancing around, maybe doing something like, you know, instead of a rain dance, a fire dance for mm-hmm. fire to come down from heaven, that they were hopping back and forth around the altar. Uh, hoping that it would cause you know the God to answer them, mm-hmm. but it's uh, literally and they pass over, uh, pass over upon the altar which He made. Who the He is, we'll get to that later if we have time. Um, but uh, we have, and so this is not an accident that it has the word Passover there. This is alluding back to uh, in verse twenty six. It's alluding back to verse twenty one where He's accusing them. He's saying, "Look, you know, you guys are po- hopping back and forth between the two different temples. Mm-hmm. Which branch are you going to be on? Are you going to be the branch of the tree of Jehovah mm-hmm. or this other branch from this other tree?" Um, which one are you going to do? Um, and this is this is of course I mean one of the most famous verses of the Bible. You mm-hmm. know, get off the fence. Which one are you? Has there's actually a, a friend of mine, uh, 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 Jessica Kay, who's this wonderful uh, singer who actually sings Hebrew songs with the name of Yehovah. She has a song about this, mm-hmm. about um, you know jumping back between the uh, the two the two branches, and um, you know if Yehovah is God, go after him, and if Baal, go after him. Uh, people have written songs about this. You can listen to that on YouTube. Um, so yeah, so the word of the week is Pesach. The you know every word in Hebrew we've said before has a three letter root, and here the three letter root is Pe Samachet, mm-hmm. and Pe Samachet is the exact same root as Pesach, as Passover, mm-hmm. um, as, as the holiday. Um, but here it means to uh, hop back and forth. Mm-hmm. JPS you know, got it. Right. I have to tell you when I when I when I first when I first got a chance to look at this verse um, a couple of years ago and and saw that word. I, I thought a lot about um, sort of this sort of the practical position where people do do this thing where they change from position to position, from yeah. thing to thing. We used to talk about in, in my in, from my heritage, they talked about church hopping. You know, this, uh-huh. this is the this is the this is the theology of the week right now. 
this group right here has got it right. No, well, no, they're wrong. Now let's go to the next one. I used to watch a, a, a movie um, called uh, The Wizard of Oz. I don't know if you knew about The Wizard of Oz. They had the I've horses of many colors. The colors <laughs> would change. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. So that. literally, so depending on the oh, the, quarter, the horse color is red. Now it's green. Now it's yellow. And but on a more serious note, one of the things that I think that he's saying that's so important is to ask this question: Is Yehovah God? If Yehovah is God, then follow Him. There's no sense of having to change any position. There's no going from place to place. But if not, do this other thing. How long will you say yeah. He is? He isn't. He is in all through history, all through Israel's history. You keep seeing this this cycle. Okay, Yehovah, you are God. Okay, but now we're going to go and do this. Well, and it, yes. but I do think there's a difference, and I want mm. and I want to contrast what Elijah's dealing with versus, um, in, for example, Jeremiah 28 mm-hmm. and one Kings 22. In Jeremiah 28, we have uh, Jeremiah facing Hananiah, the false prophet, mm-hmm. and Hananiah claims to be speaking speaking in the name of Yehovah. Mm-hmm. So there, it's not well. If Yehovah is God, don't listen to Hananiah. Well, no, wait a minute. Hananiah claims to believe in Yehovah too and be speaking for him. So there, it, it, you know, it, it gets more complicated. But in the time of Elijah, we, we really, we no longer are dealing with um, syncretism. That's where you put the two things together. Mm. We're dealing with this Sidonian cultural imperialism where they're trying to impose their religion upon us. Yes. And the people are saying, wow, I mean, this is the religion, the faith of the queen. Mm-hmm. You know, the queen is a, the most respectable woman in the entire nation. Um, she's not only a queen, she's the daughter of a queen of a great, of a great country of Sidon, which is a, you know, a great world country. Mm-hmm. And so they see this and they, you know, and they're, and they're, you know, they're challenged by it. And he's saying, look, stop being challenged by it. Make a choice. Mm-hmm. If you believe Baal is God, then go worship him. Mm-hmm. And if you believe Jehovah is God, then you don't need Baal. Amen. You know, it's really interesting. I just came back from a place where there's a lot of, um, I was in, I was in Africa in, in Namibia and there's a lot of, uh, what they call, um, um what do you call it? I don't um, know. What do they call what's it? the word that they use? Uh, like a voodoo and things like that, where people Folk have religion. these different different things. So you're talking about the hopping, and it says, and they were cutting themselves, and they were, you know, we're going to get to this in just a yeah. second, but just this idea that there's this this uh, emotional, physical uh, action that's taking place to kind of like, you know, build it up, build it up, build it up. In the end, there is no God but Yehovah, mm-hmm. but yet these people were willing to do all these things, and, and we're going to talk about it in just a second. Yeah. But it says here, it says. He tells him, he says, give us two oxen, and he lets them choose. Yeah. <laughs> you guys go ahead and take the choice. In other words, it's not going to be a matter of which, 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 which oxen it is. Go ahead and pick whichever one you want. Well, it's like, you, you know, pick a card, any card. Like pick I'm, a card, any I'm card. I'm not going to pick the card because then you'll accuse me of palming it exactly. and putting my card in. Exactly. You choose the ox, mm-hmm. and so you can't say, oh, well, you had the better, he had the better ox. Well, mm-hmm. no, you chose the ox. Mm-hmm. So put the fire under it, and I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood, and I will not put fire under it and this is the add, added mm-hmm. the word to under it but then this is a little peeve that I have this little, one little small thing I want to bring up and, and this this is a this is an English issue but I want you to challenge me on this so so why is it that we say oh let me let me write read the verse first 1824 then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord is what it says in English <laughs> capital L O R D okay and the God who answers by fire he is God and all the people said that is a good idea. Now let's let's back up for a second. This is you're going to think I was going to think I'm going to address one thing. I'm going to address something different. Uh-huh. 1824. It says you call upon the name of your God, your Elohim, your Elohim. Yeah. And I will call upon the name, and we always use the name of. Okay. We always say the name of. Yeah. It's the name of name. In other words, in in English, of the Lord makes sense. But when we say the name Yehovah, why do we add the of? 
This is a, this is good. I don't know why this is a pet peeve. It's my pet peeve. You call upon the name of the Lord of. I'm not sure I understand. What you're, 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 but here is yeah, what, what it what's says. The issue? So no, I'm telling you my little pet peeve. You call upon the name of Yehovah, or you call upon the name Yehovah. Upon the name, I think Yehovah. in English you have to say of. I don't think you have and to say of. It's an argument do. I'm going to make. And, and, I and then in it. Hebrew, what we have going on here is what we call smichut, smichut. Or, or the construct. Exactly. You have two nouns juxtaposed. And so in English, when we translate smichut, we translate it as of. Okay. For example, an example of tr- smichut or construct is b'nei Yisrael. Mm-hmm. It's not, you could translate it, I guess, in English as children Israel, but really it's the children of Israel. Hey, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Let's just say this. Ruach Elohim, the spirit you, of God. If I said to you, if I put, uh, if I put this word. The word of is there. The, the, okay, but if I put the, the name Elijah, Shem yeah. Elijah, what would you say? You'd call the name Elijah. Right. You wouldn't say the name of Elijah. You wouldn't. It's this. I'm, uh, folks. I'm sorry. I've, I I've, I've been English, up all night. I think I'm, you would. I don't think you would. I, I think. That, <laughs> so I think you would do in the name, comma quotation marks Elijah close quotation marks, or you'd say the name of Elijah. Yeah, name of Elijah. I think so. I just don't think you would. Anyway, it's a little pet peeve. That I, I arrest like. you in the name of the law. Right. <laughs> no. True. Right. So yeah. you do say that. I mean, or maybe that's archaic. Okay. I don't know. All right. Well, look. Well, I'm not an English expert. But I, there's another thing that we're going to get to that this but is. But your point is they're not just doing it in God's name. That's what I want. They're actually calling his name. They're calling his right. name. Calling and so here's name. the point I would have focused on. Yeah. When it says to call, it literally says bishem in the name yeah. of your God. And it says, mm-hmm. I will call in the name of Yehovah. Um and actually, you could even translate in there as through, meaning I'm going to speak that name. Ah, come on. That's how I'm going to call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's no question that this means to actually speak that name. And look what they did. They didn't say, um, you know, oh, God of the Sidonians. No, they said, Habaal. Habaal. Anenu. Oh, Baal, answer us. Yes. Isn't that great? Yes. Yeah. yeah what is. a great line in verse 26. But then now here's where here's where I think this is. This mm-hmm. is the funny thing. This is some, from some years ago. I'm going to challenge yeah. you again on this. It came about at noon. Elijah mocked them and said, call out with a loud voice, for he is a God. Yeah. And then here it comes. Here's in English now. Either he's occupied or gone aside <laughs> or is on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and needs to be awakened. Okay, I'm going to throw you a softball, Nehemiah. Yeah. What's this phrase? He's gone aside or he's occupied or he's on a journey. What's the phrase? What do you think? Where, where, where does the phrase come from? Yeah. What, what's it really saying in practicality? I mean, you're, you're, what are you asking? I'm handing you the softball. What's this phrase here? When, when Elijah's coming and he's saying, Elijah mock them, he's mocking them. Be Elijah for a Look, second. Look, he's in the toilet. That's what, is that what you want me to say? Does it, does it say that in Hamia? That's apparently what it means. <laughs> what, is, what phrase are you using here? Look, let, like, I'm, I'm not going there. You're just not going to do I'm it. I'm not going to do it. Okay. But but I do think it's significant. Look, in the Israelite mentality, the, God, the idea that God is frail and mm-hmm. limited like a human being is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like to the point where literally he's making fun of them. And the, But the Canaanites believed their gods had needs and desires just like people. You know, they ate and they got drunk and they slept. Um, and one of the examples that comes to mind for me is, you know, when I studied archaeology, we learned the story of... Um, of Utnapishtim, who you know that more commonly as the, as the, the story of Gilgamesh, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's the Babylonian flood story. And it tells in the Babylonian flood story, why did the, the gods destroy the earth with a flood? Because the humans were making too much noise and it bothered them. It distracted them. So they got had to get rid of the humans. Mm-hmm. The true God is omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. 
he's everywhere all-powerful all and all-knowing, mm-hmm. and he doesn't sleep. He can't be distracted by a conversation, um, you know. And uh, and I say that because one of those words there, siach, means he, he's in a conversation mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's off in the bushes. Um, so, uh, you know, um, yeah, God, he, he's he's all... You know, he's everything. He's all places, everywhere, no, all knowing. Mm-hmm. And so, for the, the the Canaanite God is just ridiculous. It doesn't matter how much power and 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 you know you know uh, what kind of show you put on with your dancing around and you're cutting yourselves. You no, know, look, think about it. They're cutting themselves. They're showing incredible faith. Let's give them credit for that. Mm-hmm. Think about how much faith it takes for you to take a knife, especially back then when they didn't have tetanus shots. And I'm not joking about that. You could die from a simple cut. So they took a knife and they'd cut themselves and shed blood to show, look, we love you. How much do we love you, Baal? I love you this much. And they mm. cut in their own flesh, causing themselves to bleed. And, and rather than being impressed, Elijah's looking at this and he's saying, this is, this is ridiculous. You guys believe in a God who sleeps? You guys believe in a God who eats and drinks and gets drunk? And no, God's not like that. He's not, he's not bothered by noise. He's not distracted. Mm-hmm. That's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how much faith you show in your God, you still have a ridiculous religion. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a faith based on lies. And so it doesn't matter that you have great faith in the lie. <laughs> You're you know, still and that's a lie. Why, that's, why I think, that's why I think that Elijah is doing something that's so interesting, that he basically is going to them and he's saying, and I'm, let me just use the English yeah. here since you don't, you don't want to go too far. He's yeah. basically saying, this is how you see your God. Yeah. Speak with a louder voice. Maybe he can't hear it. Maybe he's occupied or he's gone aside. Maybe he's on a journey. He's busy. He can't be everywhere at one time. Or perhaps he's asleep and he can't understand all things. Our Father, our God in heaven, doesn't sleep nor does he slumber. Amen. You know, but I mean, but basically Elijah comes at him from that perspective and he's saying, look, this is, this is, this is, this is who your God is. Maybe this is who your God is. He's this, he's this, he's this, he's this, he's this. So what do they do? They cry with a louder voice and they cut themselves even more. And they do this until blood gushes out. And when midday was passed, they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. It says no one answered and no one paid attention. I I don't know this. This this (laughs) three verses. It's like Elijah is going right at the core. This is what you believe. Okay, where is this God that you believe? Maybe these are the things that happen. He's busy. He's yeah. working. You know, I mean, I I just think it's it's, it's phenomenal the way yeah. that he the way that he hits them right at the core of who they how they see their God is. Right, and, mm. and and despite all that, and look, so so in a way, like like this is actually really significant. Like, there's this theological battle going on. Yes, in a way, the Canaanites are saying, look, our God's more real. He's like us. Mm-hmm. He feels like us. Mm-hmm. He 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 bleeds like us. He sleeps like us. He he goes through these human frail experiences mm-hmm. like we do. Mm-hmm. Your God, he's some invisible fantasy that you have in your head. Mm-hmm. This is how the Canaanites saw the Israelites. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, "Oh yeah, your God is so is so much like you. Let's see him do something. Mm-hmm. What can mm-hmm. he do? Mm-hmm. If he's so much like us, let him show himself. Let him show his power." And in the end, He's just an idea in their heads. Mm-hmm. They have an idea of him being like this frail human, but he's, he's not real. Mm-hmm. And it's only the God of Israel who can do anything. I want to make a little side point about the cutting themselves. And uh, I've got this study on my website, nechemiswall.com, about, about shaving. Um, there's this passage in Leviticus, which, which you know, the rabbis will tell you, well, you're, you're, you're allowed to shave, but only with an electric razor, not like a, a, a sharp razor. Um, you know, a straight razor or, or a, you know, a Gillette. Um, and, and it goes back to this verse that talks about Canaanite mourning practices that they would, mm-hmm. when they were sad, they would cut themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and um, and this was a ritual cutting. And what's interesting is that these are Sidonians. The, the significance of you know I said I called them Canaanites. They actually in their own literature refer mm-hmm. to themselves as Canaanites. What's significant about it is the Israelites pretty much conquered the Canaanites and drove them out of Israel, except in Lebanon. Lebanon was this mountain range, which was very difficult to get to, and it just wasn't possible to conquer them. You couldn't move armies through there. It, it, for the Israelites, it wasn't, it wasn't practical. Um, and so they left the Canaanites there. And, and really throughout history, the Canaanites were never fully driven out or, or conquered from Lebanon. And to this very day, there's um, Canaanites in Lebanon who, um, who who are called Shiites, which was is a sect of Islam, but the Shiites in Lebanon to this day will mourn over the death of their founder, who was the grandson of Muhammad, a guy named Hussein, the son of Ali, and they literally will cut themselves with swords. You can look it up on online and see it. It's called the Ashura uh, um, ceremony, and they're they're really distressed. They're sad when they're cutting themselves. It's not just a ritual. They're sad over the death of, of this man who they believe was martyred, uh, Hussein. And they're so sad. They show their faith and how deep their faith and commitment is and their sadness by cutting themselves with swords. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the fact that this survived in all places, Lebanon, is a, and now it's moved to other places as well because of the spread of Shiism. But to me, that's astounding that this ancient Canaanite practice being described in 1 Kings 18, you can go on YouTube and watch it. And see it too. Imagine that. That's, that's incredible. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, here's what happens, uh, Nehemiah, and, and this yeah. is a question. Uh, yeah. This is a question. It says, Elijah took 12 stones. You know, basically, yeah. it's time of the evening sacrifice. Yeah. Come near to me. All the people came and he repaired the altar Yehovah. Now it says he took 12 stones. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, I'm going to go back to it. Hold on. You Hold skipped on. the last word. I'm going to get it back yeah. to it. Okay. He repaired the altar of Yehovah, which had been torn down. Yeah. It says Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of Yehovah has come said, saying, Israel shall be your name. Now, the question becomes, where was this altar? When did this altar, where was, who, who put this, where does it say to have this, uh, this altar to Yehovah that was on Mount Carmel? Where did it come from? When did, is it, do we have another situation where we're talking about a statement where we don't know where it was? Well, there's a couple issues here for me. Um, first of all, we have the altar has been destroyed. Yes. It says literally house that was destroyed or you have torn down. Mm-hmm. So who destroyed it? Yeah. And one suggestion is that actually in verse 26, it was destroyed by these by these prophets of Baal. Mm-hmm. That it, it says, and they were hopping around the altar which he made. And usually people understand this to say, well, they made this altar for themselves and they're hopping around their altar. But it doesn't say which they made. It says which he made. Which he made. And so some people have suggested, and I'm pretty sure this is the standard Jewish explanation, that they actually, you know, they were doing their dance. And in their dance, they intentionally went and, and trashed his altar. There it is. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, which is very possible. But anyway, it still leaves the question, why is, how is it when the temple is standing in Jerusalem and uh, that Elijah has an altar on Mount Carmel? Mm. And this goes back to, to a... a What's a pretty? I mean, I, it's a complicated. It's fair question. to say it's Elijah. It's a fair. It, you, you, in other words, you, you would you would you would say that the, the he is Elijah. Absolutely. Okay. Meaning it doesn't have to be, but I think it is. Okay. Um, and 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 many others have said that too. So I'm not the first one. Um, I mean, I think that's the standard explanation actually. Um, so, uh, but the, going back to verse thirty, so he's repairing the altar uh, of Yehovah. So what is this altar doing on Mount Carmel? That's what we're trying to Where, do. How, how do you have an altar on Mount Carmel? 
at a time when we have an altar in Jerusalem. And if we look at Leviticus 17 and Deuteronomy 12, we're commanded only to bring sacrifices in the place where Jehovah chooses to put his name. Yes. And specifically in Leviticus 17, um, and this is significant because we've got Passover coming up. Mm-hmm. And I'll hear about people who will say, I want to offer my Passover lamb in North Carolina. I want to offer my Passover lamb, you know, in, 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 in my city, in my village, in my country. And we're told in Deuteronomy 16, specifically reference the Passover, it says, you may not offer it in one of your gates. Um, here, let me read you this verse. This is, this is important in the context. Deuteronomy 16, 2, it says, and you'll slaughter the Passover to Jehovah your God, etc. In the place that Jehovah will choose to cause his name to dwell Amen. there. Um, etc. etc. And skipping to uh, verse um, b- verse five, you shall you will not be allowed. You are not permitted to slaughter the Passover in one of your gates, which Jehovah your God gives you. Mm-hmm. In in the book of Deuteronomy, gates often mean cities because mm-hmm. um, each city had a major gate. So and then they would set up little altars in those gates. And he's saying, nope, no no altars and no gates. You must not do that. Um, and and the point is. That, you know, the first Passover actually in Egypt wasn't everybody's house. But mm-hmm. from Deuteronomy 16 on, that would no longer be allowed. It could only be in the one place where Jehovah chose to put his name, which today we call the temple. Um, and the, there was originally the tabernacle, and then it was replaced with the temple in the time of King David. Um, and then from the time of King David on, there was only, the only place in the world where someone was allowed to bring a sacrifice was to the temple. Um, now, the rabbis struggled with this question, and specifically they struggled with the question of, all these, you know, um, all these stories about people bringing sacrifices in Bethlehem and at Mitzpah, and they say, mm. "What's going on here?" We had the we have the altar at you know of Shiloh, and they say, "Well, Shiloh was destroyed, and in that intermediate period where the tabernacle was destroyed before the temple was built, then they were allowed to have high places that the high, and they actually use that word. The high places were permitted, but when the temple was built, then they um, were not allowed. That's this is the rabbinical hypothesis, and the, and the high places were not allowed." Um, it still doesn't explain the Elijah story. And so the rabbis pull out their, um, what we call the rabbinical nuclear option, and they call they say it's Hola'atcha'ah. He did this at the time because it was necessary for the purpose. And I think they're right. Mm. Meaning, in a sense, he could have said, look, we can't have a confrontation because we got to go to Jerusalem and there's another king there and we'll have to have a war with that king <laughs> just to be able to have a showdown between the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Jehovah. <laughs> he could have done that, but then there, Jehovah would have never had an opportunity to show the people, look, I can do this. I, I can and show you, you that I'm a real God who has real power. Yes. And so under those circumstances, um, in a sense, you could say, and I hate to say it, but in a sense, he suspended the laws of the Torah. And, you know, we talked about this before where, where we'll see a situation happen. We'll say, yeah. but wait, why did that? Why did that happen? That, that that's outside of what the Torah says. Or, right. And, and we, we talked about it before. I can't remember right off the top of my head which one, which which one it was. But, you know, when I look at this, I think, okay, so we could argue all the way up to the point where it's time for God to show up. Right. And, <laughs> we, exactly. We could and, argue and look, from we, now if until we had our faces turn purple. If we had this story and God didn't show up and send the fire down, we could legitimately ask, maybe what Elijah did was wrong. But the story, but the, it's game over. If what Elijah did is, you know, um, you know, Yehovah acknowledged it, then, then it's true. And, and look, I want to be really careful here. We have the commandment in Deuteronomy 4, verse 2 and 1232, do not add and do not take, do away. Not take away. He's not adding or taking away, but under these circumstances to show the power of God, he is essentially doing something that technically is outside of the, of the, of the Torah. Um, you know, it doesn't dot the I's and cross the T's. And in that respect, um, 
you know, what it tells me is Elijah wasn't legalistic. Well, we were talking. Do you remember? Can, we were can, can I get an amen yeah, for that? Yeah. Well, and, and and then the key word for me is the word, and he repaired. Yeah. Um, and we did talk about this. And mm-hmm. the word repaired, literally in Hebrew, is healed. And we have the same word used in this ritual context, it, meaning that there was a, a sacrifice that was being done, and it was not being done according to the strict commandments of the Torah. Mm-hmm. In two Chronicles chapter thirty, verse twenty. And we have that same word. It says Yehovah healed the Israel, uh, healed Israel's rebelliousness when they, when they're offering this, um, you know, or that's actually in for, Hosea fourteen five. It says Yehovah heals Israel's rebelliousness when they offer prayer in place of sacrifices. So here we have these different situations where people can fulfill the will of God and the commandments of God, even though it doesn't technically fulfill all of the rules and stipulations and, and technicalities of the Torah. But now we're in a new situation that the Torah didn't describe. And in this new situation, he's saying, okay, in this situation, I'm going to allow it because it glorifies the name of Jehovah and his power. Well, you know, it's something I, w- I would like to challenge people to, 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 to go through this again. And, and there's a, the phrase in First uh, Kings 18.31. He says, he took the 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of Jehovah had come saying, Israel shall be your name. And it's like, this is just there. You know, it's like, you know, and you go to that story and you're like, wow. So what's the connection between that and what's happening with Elijah? Then he goes on with the stones he built an altar in the name Yehovah. And he built a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood and cut the ox in pieces and laid it on the wood. This is going through great detail. And then he said, fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And it's like Elijah saying, look, I'm going to show. And again, if this, if the argument was none of this ever happened, we could say, well, look, Elijah's just, you know, he's, he's doing his own thing here. He's having his own, <laughs> right. he's having his own party, but he's saying do it a third time. And then the water flowed around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. And then at the time, of the offering of the evening, well, it says the evening sacrifice of the of the of the sacrifice. We are knew earlier it was going to be in the evening. Elijah the prophet came and said, "O Yehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and I have done all these things." Then it says three little things in English: "At your word." Mm-hmm. Now. Where did it say? At your, in other words, here's another example where obviously there's something going well, on. Well, he said, I stood before Jehovah. Exactly. He exactly. got these instructions. This he wasn't on his own initiative. Exactly. And I think that's the thing that's so powerful about the story is that Jehovah speaking. To, I mean, he loves these. He loves these people so much. Do you get the picture? Eight hundred and fifty prophets of Baal and people that are following the nonsense. And Jehovah goes through all of this. For these people? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I read the story and I just think, man, what does this say about his patience, his love, his compassion, and his care for his people? You know what it tells me is that God is more patient than we are. <laughs> because, you know, I, I, I really could see people reading this story and with the legalistic mentality that we have condemning Elijah and saying Elijah was a sinner. He was a false prophet. He built an altar outside of Jerusalem. He sinned against Jehovah and he's worthy of death. He should not be listened to as a prophet. And if you want to go down that route, you're missing the, you're just missing it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> all of that is a bunch of words until the fire comes down mm. and, and consumes the, the sacrifice. And, and I just got to read verse 37. Can Please I do that? 37. He says, Aneni, Yehovah, Aneni. I love those words. Mm-hmm. Answer me, Yehovah, answer me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what they said to Baal. They said, Habaal Anenu. 
O Baal, answer us. And he says to Yehovah, Aneni, Yehovah, Aneni. Um, and then it says, and they will, and this people will know that that you are. Uh, sorry, this people will know that you, Yehovah, are God. Ki ata Yehovah Elohim, and you have turned their hearts back. I guess to you. Um, and a fire fell from heaven, or sorry, a fire fell, from, a fire of Yehovah fell. Literally is what it says. And it consumed the uh, burnt offering and the so, wood. So, so quickly you go past the last part of that verse? Which part? What do you mean? You, you have turned their heart back again. I, yeah. I mean, what, what, does that, what does that picture say? Give, give me. Yehovah give, had mercy. It, Yehovah could have just said, you know, you guys want to worship Baal, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, who cares about you? Instead, he sent his prophet to, to turn them back to him. Mm. And he put it in their hearts. He turned their hearts back to him. Mm. He, you know, he, that's grace that Yehovah said, look, I love them that much. I can't just, you know, abandon them. I mean, you know, you see the picture, though, it says, <clears> and he says, and you turn their heart. It's like taking their heart and, 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 and switching. Turning it back. Yeah. Turning it backward, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like physically, you know, he's going to do this thing where he's going to write his, his Torah on their hearts. I mean, the yeah. picture of, of what he does. Come on, preach that. It's amazing. Uh, but then, then yeah. of course, here comes yeah. the, the key. The, well, I think it's the key. Yeah. Is that then the, then the answer comes. The fire of Yehovah fell and consumed the offering yeah. and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water. And what was Baal's awesome? whole thing? There's no water Baal, left even. Baal, the big storm god, the yeah. big water god, you know, doing all this stuff. And Yehovah yeah. comes in, just takes all that gone. It's just gone. You know, we're not even addressing that anymore. He just, he just takes it. And then here comes this phrase. And I mean, we were on tour three years ago. If you haven't seen the Open Door series, folks, please get a chance. You can go in and watch the Open Door series. There's this section where we talk about Yehovah Hu Elohim. Yehovah, he is God. And I just think, wow, what a phrase. Yeah. You know, what an amazing well, and, and it's actually a reference back to something in Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. When, when uh, the Israelite says, Yehovah, hu ha-Elohim, Yehovah, he is God. That's the literal translation. Um, it references Deuteronomy chapter 4, 35, uh, and then again in 39, where it says, uh, in 35, you have shown to know, literally it says, that ki Yehovah, hu ha-Elohim, that Yehovah, he is God. It's the same phrase there. And then it says, en od milvado, there is no other besides him. Amen. And then verse 39 jumps ahead, it says, and you shall know today, this is in Deuteronomy 4, um, and you shall uh, uh, turn back your heart. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. We've got, it's a different, slightly different word, but it's the same concept. Mm-hmm. That ki, that, Yehovah, hu ha-Elohim, that Yehovah, he is God. Bashamayimi ma'al, ala aratz mitachat, in heaven above, mm-hmm. and on the earth below, en od, there mm-hmm. is no other. No so other. when you say Yehovah is God, there ain't no other, there is no other. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to say something really quick about fire from heaven, and people can do this on their own. Go look at uh, three verses, three different verses which describe fire coming down from heaven and consuming a sacrifice. One is in the time of Moses, Moshe, Leviticus 9.24. Next in the time of David, 1 Chronicles 21.26. Uh, finally, in the time of Solomon, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. In the time of Nehemiah, who I'm named after, Nehemiah in the Bible, there was, according to the second book of Maccabees, I have a study about this called the Ancient Hebrew Sources of the Hanukkah, where um, I talk about in 2 Maccabees, it talks about there was sort of a mini miracle with fire mm-hmm. in the time of Nehemiah. Um, but fire didn't come down from heaven, and they were disappointed. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, but this is what was happened in in, in this in these biblical times, in the first temple times, and, and before that. In these four instances, fire came down from heaven, and according to some sources, a fifth time um, with with Cain and Abel. I think we talked about that once, but clearly four times explicitly, fire came down from heaven to show that Yehovah has accepted this, these sacrifices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, also, if people can take a look here, these just a quick phrase on uh, Yehovah Huha Elohim, yeah. Deuteronomy four thirty five, four thirty nine. 
Second Chronicles 33.13, 1 Kings 18.39, 1 Kings 8.60, where you're using this phrase. And I, I, I you know, it's one of these things that I, I never, I, I can never get, I never get used to, to being able to say it. Yehovah Hu Elohim. Yehovah, he is God and there is no other. It's an, it's an amazing um, phrase. It's an amazing statement of fact. You know, we, we're, we're going to, Nehemiah, we're going to try our best um, over the next, how long is it going to be? Two weeks to do something that's going to that's going to take uh <laughs> you know we need Yehovah to step in for us we uh, absolutely do and I really I want to yeah. I want to I want to take a minute um we talked a little bit about this today with your mother and I was really yeah. I was really excited folks I was sharing with Nehemiah's mother um when he uses the word ministry how sometimes that's been a word that you we you know we kind of say who owns that word and you did a really phenomenal thing today talking about what the word ministry is but I think about it as I always thought about it as the word service. And I was talking to your mother about if she was aware how many people around the world actually are now a part of um, your ministry. When I say a part of, they're reaping the benefits. They're getting mm-hmm. um, they're getting so much from you. So I wanted to, to take a moment because we didn't do this yet. A moment for you to share a little bit about that. I'll share a little bit and then we can we can move on. But we, we really first. do. Oh, OK. Yeah. Well, I've actually um, you know, it's really fun, something to I mean, we, we we were recording profit pearls. And I was saying, I'm going to go to Africa and I'll be back from Africa and then we'll be in China. And I just have to say, as I'm sitting here in Israel right now, just how amazing it is. You know, we said that we wanted to inspire people around the world to build a biblical foundation for their faith. And now I'm watching this happen in ways that are just absolutely amazing. People can go to our site, bfainternational.com on the front page. They can click and go to the blogs where there's a number of updates about what's going on. They can see um, the preliminary... uh, introductory um, episodes to I don't know how many different series we have but there are some things that are going to be announced from Israel that I'm very excited about so I'm going to hold off on that I mostly just want people to know that um, right now it's working people around the world are being inspired and we're able to do everything that we can to help them be inspired to build a biblical foundation for their faith so I invite you to go to bfainternational.com there's a bunch of options of things that you can do but mostly just to go there and to see what's happening is uh, has been humbling uh, doors are being opened literally in different parts of the world, and it's just exciting to see God answer uh, answer our prayer, and the vision is coming to pass. Hallelujah. Yeah, and, and what I've been doing is, you know, uh, and, and I call it ministry, and, and, and I, I want to address this to some of my Jewish brothers and sisters because they hear that word ministry, and they immediately think, oh, that's a word that we hear Christians use. So ministry means you're a Christian, and, and, and not at all. So ministry is actually a concept we have in Hebrew. It's a phrase, l'sharet bakodesh, mm. which means to, to service, to perform service um, in, in the holy. Um, and you'll read in biblical scholars speaking about the ministry of Elijah and the ministry of Elisha and the ministry of Moses. And really, all it means is to serve Yehovah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to serve Yehovah in a way that, that empo- for me, that empowers people with information. That's really what my ministry has been about, is empowering people with information. Um, you know, uh, for me, it's not about, you know, I want people to follow me or I want people to listen to me. It's not about that at all. I've been blessed with information and I want to share that with others so they can be empowered Mm -hmm. and they can follow Yehovah through the knowledge that they gain and encountering his word in the original Hebrew sources Mm -hmm. in which he revealed himself. Um, so that's what my ministry, Makor Hebrew Foundation, is about. The Makor is the Hebrew word for source. People call it maker. I don't understand that. <laughs> Makor, maker. No. Maker. Make, the Maker Foundation. Nehemiah of the Maker Foundation. Uh, no, it's Makor Hebrew Foundation, the Hebrew Source Foundation. Um, get back to the sources. Uh, you can go to nehemiahswall.com. And uh, we got some, you know, hundreds of hours of free teachings there and videos mm-hmm. and some really, you know, mm-hmm. really great stuff. And, and you know, and... 
um, you know, I've, I get emails all the time from people who say, um, you know, you, you've changed my life. This is, you know, wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that really blesses me. It blesses me because really all I wanted to do was it, what that person doesn't realize is I didn't change his life. He changed his life by accepting the information and, and taking it and not just say, oh, well, Nehemiah said it, but going and, and using the, the tools that I gave him and helped him develop mm-hmm. to go check the information for himself and own it for himself. Mm-hmm. And that's what changed his life. And yeah, okay, I, 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 I you know, helped him with that by presenting him with, mm-hmm. with the sources and helping him understand the sources. But ultimately, you've got to do it. And, and I really want to give a thank you out there. You know, over the last year, my ministry has, has really um, flourished and been blessed. And, and it's not because of anything I did. It's all, it's because of what you, all you guys have done out there. Mm-hmm. And I want to thank you for being part of this ministry and, 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 and blessing me. Well, here we are. I mean, Nehemia, this is the first of a, a whole bunch that we're going to do. Uh, we're here at the Sacred Safe, the, the secret safe, <laughs> safe, secret safe House. house. Uh, we're going to try our best, uh, if we can stay healthy and stay uh, um, uh, focused, to just continue to, 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 uh, to share uh, the Prophet Pearls Exploring Biblical Prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Do you have anything else you want to say? I, I want to end you. in prayer. Absolutely. Can I do that? Can you do that? And, and I want to pray this prayer of, of Elijah of, in 1 Kings 18.37. Anenu, Yehovah. Anenu. Answer us, Yehovah. Answer us. Ve'idu ha'am hazeh. And let this people know, Kiata Yehovah ha'elohim. For mm-hmm. you, Yehovah, are God, the one and only God. In Od, there's none beside you. En Milvadcha, there's none but you. Turn our hearts back. Turn our hearts around towards you, Yehovah. We need you to do this. We ask you to do this. Yehovah, please be with us here in this room, in the side of this mountain, in the city where you have placed your name forever. Yes. Please, Yehovah, let us offer these words to you and um, come before you and speak words that empower people with information mm. and so they can come before you and, and, and that you can touch their hearts and you can turn their hearts back. Mm. And Yehovah, please be with Keith and give him healing as he deals with the, his China syndrome. And <laughs> Yehovah, please give us safety here in the land and let your, the fire of Yehovah come down mm. and consume our hearts so that we can offer ourselves up to you. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit nehemiaswall.com and bfainternational.com.